Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. What's good, citizens? How are you guys doing today? This tag, this is the tag I will use to retrieve my child from the nursery. Anyone want it? Anyone want to take home my child and give me a night of sleep? I thought I'd have to be begging. There's a lot of you. All right, I'm going to sell him now. Do I hear $10 for my child? $10. I hope my wife is not watching the live stream. I hope my wife. All right, all right. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Open up your Bible to the book of Revelation. Are you guys feeling good tonight? If you're feeling like, if you're feeling like, hey, I'm okay, it's kind of average, your average Wednesday, give me like a yeah. Okay, but if you're like, no, this is not an average Wednesday, I'm quite on a 10 right now, you can give me a yeah, yeah. So all the yes? Yeah, yeah? All right. Pretty average. That helps me determine my, my, my presentation, you know? If you guys come in here on a Wednesday night and you're like, yeah, yeah, and you got like the, a lot of the eye situation going on, I tend to crank up the message, you know what I mean? But if you guys are like, bro, relax, I'm gonna be like, all right, all right. Hey, if we have not met, my name is Sam, and you need to know one thing about me. Besides the fact that I'm crazy, you need to know one thing about me. I love you guys. I do. I do, I do this every single Wednesday, except for when I have more important things to do. I do this every, no, I'm just kidding. I do this every single Wednesday because I am extremely passionate about seeing a community of students exceed all expectations that are placed on you. You know that? I look at you guys and I'm convinced that if we were to just talk like adults for a moment, like instead of just doing the rock, paper, scissors, everybody take out your coloring book because you're only high schoolers, I'm convinced that if we were to have like a real conversation, if we were to talk about like real life things that matter, that if we were to challenge you guys to be mature, that you guys would go, finally, someone understands me. You know what I'm saying? And so for a few moments tonight, instead of talking down to what people perceive you as, instead of setting a low bar for you like the rest of culture does, I want to raise the bar and I'm going to invite all of you to let's talk about something of substance. Let's talk about things that you can't talk about at school. Let's talk about real life stuff. Let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about the gospel. Do you guys like that, the sound of that? That's what, I, that's what I want to do. And if you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was here for like the kids club. Sorry. <laughs> right? Everybody gets up and walks out. I'm like, bummer. Should have told them kids club was coming later. But no, seriously, I love you guys. Everything that I'm about to say to you, I want you to know I have nothing to say to you. Okay? Me, personally. I don't come up here with opinions. I don't come up here with some really cool ideas that I wrote in a blog or some really neat postmodern ideas that I read in a book. And I want to tell I'm coming up here because the only thing that is worth you guys listening to, the only thing that is worth you guys humbly listening to is the Bible. And so if you're new here and you're like, oh, I hope this guy's funny or, or I hope this guy makes a lot of jokes, um, maybe, 
But in reality, what we do, oh, thanks, girl. Thank you. What we do, um, we believe with all of our hearts that God is real. We believe with all of our hearts that God has something to say to you guys. And we believe with all of our hearts that he wrote it down. And we believe that if we just take a few moments, like, like I know it, like I know we're kids, like I, I get those things, but I believe that when we become adults, like when we act as adults for a few moments, let's put away the Snapchats, let's put away the phones, and we say, you know what, for a few moments, let's be real here. Let's talk about real life things. I'm convinced, students, that you will leave here today, you will leave every week hearing from God as we look at the Bible. It's that simple. It's that simple. And so we're going to continue a series that we've been in through the book of Revelation. So if you haven't already, go ahead and open up to the book of Revelation, and we're going to continue today. Now, as we do, I understand that there's probably a diverse number of experiences in here, right? How many middle schoolers do I have? Okay. <laughs> Woo! Okay. High schoolers, let me see you. Wow, that's tight. Go high school. Go high school. Yo, who's playing dodgeball, high school? Who's playing dodgeball? Give me a ch -ch -ch If you're playing dodgeball, locked and loaded, okay. Where are my ladies at? I want to see girls. Okay. I never see the girls. I hear the girls. That's okay. Boys. How many of you are boys? Okay. Okay. No matter your experience, perhaps you're young, perhaps you're old. Perhaps you're male, perhaps you're female. Perhaps you've had a difficult life. Perhaps you've had a pretty easy life. No matter your experience, here's my question for you. Has anyone ever told you the truth about yourself? Has anyone ever told you the truth about yourself? Has anyone ever come to you and said, bro, I want to give you an honest assessment of who you are. I want to give you an honest assessment of how you come across when we're in a group of people. Friend, I want to give you an honest assessment. I just want to be real here for a moment and tell you what you're like. Have you ever been told the truth about yourself? Have you ever been told the truth about yourself? When you, when you, when you, for the first time perhaps, or every time, when you hear the truth about yourself, when you get an honest, objective perspective about what you're like and about how you come across, it's kind of like looking in a mirror, okay? How many of you have looked in a mirror today? I can tell. For those of you not raising your hands, right? When you, when you look in a mirror, I'm sorry, that was, too, that was too much. It'll make sense in a minute, all right? When you look in a mirror, you wake up in the morning, right? And you got Beyonce playing. You're like, I woke up like this. And you're like, I feel good, right? Until, <laughs> until you get to the bathroom. You're like, I look good. I'm probably still put together. But you just don't know until you look in the mirror, right? You feel good. You, you, you imagine yourself one way in your head. But until you look in the mirror, you just don't know, do you? And so you go to the bathroom, you flick on the lights, you look in the mirror, ah! right? I mean, let's be real, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's cringeworthy. Sometimes it is painful, but I guarantee you, even though it's painful, every time you look in the mirror, 
you're thankful because now you know. <laughs> now you know. When you don't look in the mirror, you don't know, right? You don't know. Oh, snap, now you know. When you look in the mirror, you now know the truth about yourself. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> and you can act accordingly. Students, have you ever been told the truth about yourself? In the book of Revelation, we're learning that Jesus Christ is writing a letter to seven churches here, okay? And so you see the star, that's what I call the West Coast, not of the US. This is the West Coast of Asia. All right, I'm gonna say West Coast. And so he's writing, this, he's writing these letters to seven churches. And look, we'll zoom in here, okay? You zoom in, there are the seven churches and you actually follow. It's like an ancient route. It's like the, the Oregon Highway or what was that called with the people who all ate each other? The Oregon Trail, right? So they had like the, sorry, that's all I remember. I was like dozing off in history class and they were like, cannibal. I was like, what? Got me, right? And then I try to play the computer game. Anybody, Oregon Trail? It's like every three seconds I like die of dysentery. It's the worst, right? So anyway, so there's this trail here. There was this trail that people would travel. And so Jesus Christ is writing a letter to these seven churches because he is about to tell them the truth about themselves. Jesus Christ, the one who walks in between the lampstands, the churches. He walks in their midst. He knows them. He holds them in his hands. Jesus Christ knows them better than they know themselves. And friends, he's about to tell them how it is. He's about to give them an honest assessment of who they are. He's about to give them an honest assessment of what they're like. And just like looking in a mirror, they don't know until they look and now they know. And it may be painful. It may be cringeworthy. It may make them go, ooh, that's not nice. But at the end of the day, they're thankful because now they know. And so he has a lot to say to the churches. And what we're going to see today, he writes the first letter to the church of Ephesus. You see Ephesus there? He writes the first letter to the church of Ephesus. And he says, Ephesus, I have a message for you. Ephesus, I want to say something to you. And here's what he's going to say to them. He says, Ephesus, where's the love? Where's the love? Where is the love? No, no, where? Ephesus. This is not a song. This is not a hit chart. Ephesus, where is the love? Where's the love? And here's why I want you to listen. These were literal congregations, right? There was literally a church of Ephesus. They were the Ephesians. There was literally a church of Pergamum. They were the Pergamumites, right? There was literally a church of Philadelphia. They were the Eagles. I mean, it was all literal congregations here. But I said, don't you do it, Teresa. There was literal congregations here. But they represent all of Christ's churches throughout all of history. Because how many of you know that the same problems and the same situations that they faced are the same problems and situations that all churches in all times and all places face, right? And so what I don't want us to do is go, oh, that's not my mirror. Oh, he was talking to Ephesus, that's for them. We all get to look in the mirror through the next seven weeks because as Jesus Christ is saying it to them, he's saying it to us. And his message today is this, where is the love? Where is the love? We begin in verse one. Here we go. 
verse one. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. So he's saying, I want you to write this to them. John is seeing things, he's hearing things. Write this down. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus Christ is not writing a pen pal letter, right? Dear Christians on earth, I have heard through the grapevine that maybe perhaps possibly you are experiencing this. No, Jesus Christ is right there with them. He's walking in their midst. He knows them better than they know themselves. He knows you students better than you know yourselves. And the one who knows you better than you know yourself has this to say. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Church in Ephesus, good news. They're discerning truth. We look in the mirror and today we're gonna see good news and we're gonna see bad news, okay? So the first thing, as they look in the mirror, as Jesus Christ tells them the truth about themselves, he says, good news, you're discerning truth. When I say discerning, what I mean is they are able to tell the difference between truth and falsehood, okay? Look what he says. He says, you have tested those who says, I'm an apostle. And you go, no, you're not. I'm a teacher. No, you're not. I have truth. No, you don't. They're able to tell the difference between truth and falsehood. These are the kind of kids that when the teacher says the quiz is going to be true and false, they go, yes. Don't give me essay. Don't give me multiple choice. Give me true or false. Yes. Because they're able to discern the difference between true and false. Okay. You know why they were so good at this? Because they had to be. They were in Ephesus. How many of you have been to Ephesus lately? All right, I guess I'll have to explain. I got one dude, he's like, yo, I just came back this morning, bro. You don't even know where Ephesus is, right? They had to be good at telling the difference between truth and error because they lived in Ephesus. Ephesus, guys, Ephesus, right? You don't know Ephesus? Let me, let me teach you about Ephesus. Ephesus, here's what you need to think of. When you think of Ephesus, think of the Walmart of world religions. Okay, we got options, right? But what religion do you want to serve today? I don't know. Is today Monday? Let's go down to the temple. Is today Wednesday? We got to go get magic, right? Let me explain, right? So in, in, uh, in Ephesus, a lot of people did emperor worship. Emperor worship. The emperor was Lord, which is why they didn't like and take very kindly to the idea that Jesus is Lord because they thought they were competing. Anyway, so people literally say, hey, Anna, how are you? Do you want to come to Bible study today? We're going to worship Caesar, Hey, do you want to come over? We're going to bow down to Augustus. That's what they would do, right? So there was a people, this was a community where they worshiped the emperor. You would go around their homes. You'd go into the cities and they'd have this giant statue of Caesar. And every day you'd bow down to him, worship Caesar. But wait, there's more. You could also engage in magic, right? So maybe you have a little Thursday afternoon, occult practice, you know, maybe some hot Pilates mixed with the martial mystic black arts, you know. Welcome to Ephesus. The biggest religion, the biggest, like if you weren't down with this religion, you were a nobody in Ephesus. The biggest religion, give it up for one and only, Artemis. Do you guys know who Artemis is? The, 
He really has been to Ephesus. I stand corrected. Let the record show the little seventh grader has been to Ephesus. Yes, she's the sixth grade. Excuse me, I'm so sorry, right? The goddess of the hunt, literally the goddess of the wild. She's like, wow, right? Her symbol was the bow and arrow because she was a beast. One of her other symbols was this tree where she had the power to either cause disease or to heal you by the leaves of her tree. And so people worshiped Artemis. This was not like, you know, I, I just kind of go to Artemis church on Sunday. I mean, look at this temple. I mean, this is massive, right? This was a big part of their life. This is Ephesus, Ephesus, right? And so what they would do is they'd come and they worship Artemis. You want to see how big this was? You want to see how big of a deal worshiping Artemis was? Look what happens when Paul shows up in Ephesus, okay? He's just thrown through Ephesus, minding his business, I don't know, preaching the gospel. And look what happens. Look what happens, right? He's talking, he's preaching the gospel. And about that time, there was a major disturbance about the way, aka Christianity. A person named Demetrius, any Demetriuses in here? Demetrii? All right, good, because I'm going to bash him. Demetrius, a person named Demetrius, a silversmith, what did he make? He made silver. He made silver shrines of Artemis. Provided, this provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he had assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, okay, so he's, holding, he's calling like a town meeting, all silversmiths who make the goddess Diana, which is the Roman version of, of Artemis, come here, I'm going to tell you something. What does he tell them? Men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. Yeah, everyone say, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man, Paul, has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hands are not gods? Sounds like Paul, right? Paul's walking through and they're like, like all having their gods out. And he's like, that's not even a real God anyway, you know? And so this silversmith is like, yo, you're hurting my business here. People are converting to Jesus. They're not buying my idols anymore. Not only do we run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin, the very one all of Asia, Asia and the world worship. Welcome to Ephesus, students. This is what was going on. This is a, plur a plural, pluralism, right? The Walmart of world religions. It is hard to be a Christian in this environment. So if you're a Christian in Ephesus, you have all these religions from the outside. But then you also have heresy on the inside. Look what he says. Those who call themselves apostles. So not only do you have all these religions from the outside, you're like, that sounds like a union high school. Not only do you have all these religions from the outside, you also have people inside the church who are standing up at podiums like this. And they're saying, church, listen to me. I'm a teacher. And then everything that comes out of their mouth is garbage. Everything that comes out of their mouth is false. I call it update theology, right? Inside the church, you have these people that are, they do what I call update theology, like the Nicolaitans. They go, hey, you know that gospel? You guys know the gospel? Update, you can now serve Jesus and engage in all of your sexual desires too. Hey, you know the gospel that you guys have? Update, you can now serve Jesus and engage in whatever kind of desires you have for food and gluttony and all those things, yeah. Hey, you know that thing that you were taught in Sunday school about Jesus and living for God? Update, you now don't have to listen to that anymore. 
That's update theology. Update, it's garbage. And so it's hard to be a Christian when you have all these different religions from the outside and then you have all these false teachers from the inside. It's easy to lose the gospel. It's easy to become like a, like a, a blended drink, a blender, a smoothie of religions instead of the pure gospel. It would be easy, like if any single one of you students lived in Ephesus, it would be easy for you guys to compromise, to be like, all right, okay, okay. I'll follow Jesus, but I don't have to be so radical. You know what I mean? It'd be easy to compromise. It'd be easy to become exhausted trying to defend truth. No, no, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. No. All right, whatever. Anything goes. It would be easy to do that, right? But they're not doing that. Ephesus, when you look in the mirror, you see what? It says, your toil and your patient endurance. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up. You have not grown Weary. Ephesus is good at discerning truth. Students, are you? Christians, in the room, look at me. Christians, eyes up here. Are you able to discern truth from error? Can you tell the difference between truth and lies? Sam, what do you mean? Well, let me tell you. You're going to need discernment. You guys live in a society. You live in a culture where people, where churches are popping up all the time and they're literally saying things like this. They're popping up and they're going, update. Hey, you guys know like how God taught us in the Bible? Update, it's actually, he's actually cool if we redefine marriage. <laughs> what? Like, did you ask him? Right? Churches are popping up every day saying, update. The Bible is actually not God's inspired word. It's like an inspiring word. So take it with a grain of salt, take the good, leave out the bones. You know, it's like God's suggestion book. Update, God just wants sincerity. So whatever religion you follow, as long as you just really believe, just believe, and then we all go to heaven. Update, you don't actually have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, what he means is that he rose in our hearts. It's like a metaphor. He lives on in you and in you, and in you. Update, garbage. You guys are gonna need to be able to tell the difference between truth and error. We talked about this in the academy a couple months ago, but I'm not even gonna say anything. I just wanna show you the headline, all right? Talk about update theology. Are you guys ready? I'm not gonna say anything. I just want you to watch it. <laughs> what? You know, this is normal. Can an atheist past can an atheist be a pastor in our church? I wish I was kidding you. This is a real lady. She is a atheist. She's a pastor. Wow, I see what she did there. She just updated the definition of God. Literally, you go on to read the article. This lady says, when I say the word God, I don't mean some supernatural being. Update, I mean the goodness that all of us are trying to pursue. That's God. I gave this lady props for having the ability to do such mental gymnastics. It's like, no, no, you can't escape this. God, no, what I mean... 
I'm like, how are you so squirt? How did you get out of that? They literally replaced the cross. It's a church, a Protestant church. They replaced the cross with a rainbow banner. Do you see it in the back? It looks like a hanging flamingo. Like who comes in and says, yes, I'm going to be spiritually fed today by the flamingo. Are you able to tell the difference between truth and error? When someone says, update, are you able to go, false? Are you able to do that, students? Do you know the scriptures? Do you do it in community? Do you know the Bible? Do you discuss things about God so that when people within the culture and also people from within our very church stand up and want to get a little bit squishy, you can go, whoa, 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 no, no. Smells like garbage to me. No, thank you. It's important, guys. I teach the way that I teach because when you guys graduate high school and go away to college, I know that you are going to be thrown all sorts of garbage at you. There's a reason that on Wednesday nights we just don't play duck, duck, goose. Because if you wait until you're 18 to try and learn the truth, there's going to be too many vendors on the street and you're not going to know where to go. The church in Ephesus, they took a good look in the mirror and Jesus is telling them the truth about themselves. And he says, good news. You're very good at discerning truth. Good news. You love the truth. Amen. And everybody said, amen. You love the truth. But now, but now we continue. And after giving them good news, Jesus Christ is about to put his finger on something not good. Jesus looks at this church and he says, I'm glad that you love truth. But while you're busy loving truth, you've forgotten one thing. You have forgotten to love people. Look what he says. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You do hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So we've already established, yes, they hate the Nicolaitans. They hate the people that say, you can love Jesus and your sexual appetites. Yes, they're doing good at discerning truth from error. But friends, bad news, they're lacking in love. Bad news, they're lacking love. And so they've become so busy hating error. These, this church has become so busy fighting these truth wars that it says they've abandoned love. This is a church that if you were to walk in there, you'd realize very quickly, they have lost the ability to love people. They have lost the ability to care for hurting people like Jesus would. Sam, what do you mean they don't love? Does that mean they're not happy hearts anymore? Does that mean they're not bubbly, loving people? No, no, no. Friends, when Jesus is talking about love, he's not talking about loving hearts. He's talking about loving hands. To love means action. It means to do something. Act in love. That's why he says here, he says, do the works that you did at first. When I tell you to be more loving, what I'm saying is to do loving things. Love is action. Or to quote the great inspired author who said, love is a verb. It's what you do. Did anybody actually really say that? Or is that? Just a, I don't know. Maybe it is a Geico commercial. <laughs> 
Never mind. Never mind. You act, he says, you do not act in love. Have you ever known a group of Christians who love truth? Have you ever known a group of Christians who geek out on the Bible? Have you ever been part of a circle of friends who they love to debate the Bible and debate all these isms and truth and they love to get together and go, well, no, what it really means is this. And it's almost like they're playing like Star Wars with their Bible. Like, and it's like, they're like, and they like love it. Like you tell somebody that I don't think the Bible means this and they're like, oh yeah, I'll tell you. And they love to geek out on it. But you just, they don't love. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been the kind of person who when you're not careful, you find yourself studying and reading and listening to sermons, not because you wanna lead people in love, but because you wanna lead them. (laughs) You've studied your Bible, you've looked up verses on Google because you've wanted to like combat your mom when she uses those scripture verses, right? The next time my mom tells me to obey my parents and mother, I'm gonna defend it within Ephesians 6, 3. Do not provoke your children to anger. (laughs) I only know about this because that was me. I was the kid that grew up and I memorized all the scripture verses. I knew all the Sunday school answers. I would yawn as kids would try to find it in their Bible because I can do my sword drill so fast with my eyes closed behind my back. But I had this little problem. Um, I was a jerk. I knew the truths of the Bible, but I didn't love people. And students, you know why that's a problem? Do you know what happens when a group of Christians, do you know what happens when a church is known more for loving truth and they're not known for loving people? Do you know what happens? They stop looking like Jesus. They stop looking like the one whose name they bear. Love is not optional, students. Jesus says it this way. Look what he says. By this, all people will know that you are my my disciples if you memorize all 66 books of the Bible. By this, people will know that you're my disciples if you can prove them wrong on all the different points of theology. By this, people will know that you're my disciples, that whenever somebody says something that's not technically correct, you are quick to call out a chapter and verse on them. That's how they'll know you belong to him, right? By this, people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. Students, love is the defining trait of Christians. Love is the defining characteristic of Christianity. So to stop loving is to stop acting Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. We love God and we love people. Welcome to Christianity. And this is why Jesus says, look what he says. He says, if you don't repent, if you don't start loving, if you don't become a church that reflects the light of my love, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna remove your lampstand from its place. You will cease to be my church, because you will cease to be what a church is supposed to be, the light of the world who reflects the love of Christ. Students, do you love? Yes, I wake up every morning with love in my heart. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm not talking about your emotion. I'm asking you, do you love people? 
What Jesus says to the Ephesian church is what he says to Northwest Gospel Church. He says, if you want to remain a church, I'm telling you the truth here about yourselves. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm telling you the truth. You need to know the truth about yourself. If you want to remain a church, if you want to survive in this environment, you need to overcome the tendency to love truth but not love people. In other words, you need to be able to combine love for truth with love for people. That's what he says to the Ephesians. Where are my seniors at? Seniors, nice and high. Let me see them. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Okay, we got, let's say 15, 16 seniors in here, okay? Imagine our group of seniors. And they love coming to church. They go to small group every day that ends in Y. They've memorized all 66 books of the Bible when they were in second grade. Man, you get together with these seniors and you poke them and like, ooh, 1 John 3.16. You know, like they just, they bleed the scriptures. They geek out on it. They have their own version of Bible quiz on their phone. They Snapchat each other pictures of them in their Bible to say, praying for you this morning. And those seniors, they just, they're on it, right? You're not a senior, bro. You're a junior? Sophomore? No, no, no. You're a junior. I got one more year with you. Nice. We got hope, okay? Listen, imagine this group of seniors and they do all those things and then I call them up and I go, hey, Max. Hey, what's up, Sam? John 3.16. Hey, Max, I want to, um, I was wondering if you and your seniors would be willing to give the elderly lady that lives down the street from you a ride to the church on Sunday. Nah. Nah. Okay. Hey, seniors, I, I know that you have your Bible study on Tuesday night, but I was wondering if maybe for like a part of your Bible study, maybe, maybe you would mind going over to, that, uh, to, to the, your neighbor's house and you know, the one, like he's old and he can't bend at the waist and he asked if we could help him like clean out the leaves in his gutters. Nah. Nah. Okay. Students, that's what love is. Loving truth needs to be combined with loving people. Action, acting out Christ's love. Do you love people? Do you love people? Look in the mirror of God's word. Let Jesus tell you the truth about yourselves for a moment. Do you love people? Well, Sam, I mean, I, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know. And so you want to know how you know if you love people? Why don't we look at the definition of love here? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Here's a checklist for you. You can write down. You can literally go do, through with a bullet point. You want to know if you love people? Ask yourself. Love is patient. Am I patient? Love is kind. <laughs> Dang it. But what if, he's, what if love is kind after 12 12 at lunch, right? What afternoon? Like, like once I'm like woken up and I'm not cranky anymore. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Man, it's not boastful. Love is not arrogant. It's not rude. Whoa, me being rude is a matter of love? Yes. It's not self-seeking. Love is not irritable. Okay, I'm guilty on that one. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Man, I don't even need commentary on this. It's like he's just helping us look in the mirror, right? 
Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Students, do you act in love for people? Christians, the love that you've received from Jesus Christ in the gospel, do people know you by your love? What's the first thing that people think of when they hear your name? What's the first three things? The first five things? Is it love? We need to combine love for truth with love for people. This is what Jesus did in the gospel, students. Do you guys know what the gospel is? When Jesus Christ came and he preached the message, he embodied this. He loved truth and he loved people. They're not mutually exclusive. You see, your culture, your teachers, your friends, your music videos, whatever you do in culture, they will tell you that you either love truth or you love people. You can't do both. The culture will tell you that if you ever try to tell someone the truth about themselves, that you're hateful, that you're bigoted, that you're politically incorrect at best. But what the gospel shows us is that truth and love for people are not opposite. But as a matter of fact, if you truly love people, you'll tell them the truth. I used to have people, when I was in college, I remember this incident, and I, and I noted it in my brain, because I said, I will never do this. I had a girl once who tried to give me constructive criticism, and I put that in quotes, because it's not true. I had a girl who said, you know what, can I, just, can I just tell you the truth about yourself here? Can I help you be a little bit better? And she came at it with a posture of like, let me help you. And then she started to tell me, I go, okay, I love constructive criticism, let's grow. And then I realized as she started to tell me this truth, she was just unloading on me. She was just taking cheap shot after cheap shot. And I realized after a few moments of this that her goal in telling me the truth about myself was not for me to grow. It was for her to feel better about herself. Have you ever had that kind of constructive criticism? Right? Never Jesus. That's never Jesus. Jesus doesn't come in the gospel to tell you the truth about yourself so you can go, mm, yeah, remember who's God. Jesus comes and says, hey, can I tell you the most loving, truthful thing that I can ever tell you about yourselves? High school students, can I tell you the truth about yourself for a moment? I don't care if you're a young, old girl, boy. The most truthful thing about yourself, none of you are good enough. None of you are worthy of being with God. None of you has what it takes. All of you are messed up, dysfunctional sinners. That's the truth. And we see Jesus combine that truth with a giant but. And he says, but I've come to do something about it. And unless you recognize your condition, unless you realize how much help you need, you won't be willing to accept my love. I will die for you. I will take your place. You can come into the family of God, even though you're not good enough, even though you don't deserve it, because I will do that for you. I will reconcile you to the Father. And so if you're new here, understand this. We're not hypocrites. Hypocrites, they pretend to be one thing while they're really not. We're not hypocrites because we admit straight off, the, straight off the jump, hey, welcome to Citizens, we're messed up. Hey, I'm Sam, welcome to Citizens, I'm dysfunctional. 
Hey, welcome to Citizens. I am a big loser. (laughs) And we recognize that, but Jesus loved me anyway. But God loved me anyway. And so in the same way that Jesus combines love for truth with love for people, so we too are called to combine our love for truth with love for people. Do you love people? If not, okay, if you don't, if you're with me and you're willing to admit, Sam, I probably am not as loving as I should be to my siblings. I'm probably not as loving as I should be to my parents. I'm probably, okay, I'm not as loving as I should be to my friends. If that's you, I want you to realize there's hope. Because not only does Jesus diagnose the disease of our hearts, he actually calls us forward in hope. And I say it this way, Jesus calls us out because he wants to call us forward. All right, and look what he says. Last verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, to the one who is willing to listen to me and repent, to the one who is willing to overcome this difficult situation by combining truth for love and truth for people, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He says, students, I know it's hard to love people. I know it's hard, especially in your high schools, especially in your middle school, especially in this culture. It's hard to put yourself out there and love. But there's hope. There's a reward. If you overcome this difficult situation, I will give you access to the tree of life, the one of endless delight and eternal life. Those who overcome the pain of this earth, you will experience the paradise of heaven. And so Jesus calls you forward. If you're not loving, he says, come, repent, come to me, and I will give you eternal life. Humble yourselves, come to me, and you will experience the paradise of God. That's our hope today, students. Jesus doesn't tell us this look in the mirror. He doesn't give us this look in the mirror to kick us while we're down. He doesn't tell us this to unload. He says, I'm telling you this because I love you and I want to call you forward. I want to call you forward. So here's where I want us to end tonight. One little question for you. Two questions, I guess. Number one, what are we known for? If you've, raise your hand if you've been at Citizens for less than six months. Less than six months. Hands. Whoa, that's crazy. Okay. Hands down, hands down. Everybody else, listen to me. What have they experienced in the last six months? You guys can be the most literate Bible youth group. You guys can go to your schools and brag and be like, we've gone through Philemon. We're going through Revelation. We've gone through Phil-. You can be the most Bible literate youth group in the city. You can memorize scripture. You can be able to sniff out false teaching from a mile away. But if you guys are not loving, we have nothing. We have nothing. Are we known as the most loving place for students to be in Vancouver and Camas? When students at high school are hurting, do they know that Citizens is a place for them? When students finally come to that point in school and they realize how messed up they really are, as we all are, when they finally come to that point, do they recognize Citizens as a place for them to come and find help and hope? What are we known for? And the last question Who is one person 
that you don't love well. And here's how we're going to respond. As the band comes up, we're going to just take a few moments. The music can play, and you guys can just kind of focus. But you can take out your notes there, and you can look at the back, and we put 1 Corinthians 13 there. And I want you to go through that, and you can highlight it, you can underline, you can circle, do whatever you have to do. But I want you to ask yourself, who is one person that you're not loving well? You can write down their name. You can think of practical ways that you're going to love them. Loving them does not mean, I'm just going to give them more hugs and love them. No, no, I'm not talking about love, right? I'm not talking about Romeo love, that you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I just feel it today. Love even when you don't feel it, because love is action. Who is one person you don't love well? How are you going to love them this week? We want to be a community of students who are known for combining their love for truth with a love for people. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word, God. Lord, so often um, people are not comfortable telling us the truth about ourselves. Lord, people will just let us walk around with the proverbial broccoli in our teeth, God, with the egg on our face and never tell us the truth. But Lord, you love us enough to tell us the truth. And so Lord, as we look at this Ephesian church, as we look at their situation about how they they loved truth but didn't love people, would you help us, Lord, to not be that? Help us to be more like Jesus who combined grace and truth, who combined love and truth so that we can be a lampstand, so that we can be a church that shines bright by reflecting the love of Jesus. Father, thank you that you give us this message in hope. This is not condemnation. This is not judgment. This is you calling us out so that you can call us forward. Lord, we love you. And we do all of this because we want to be more like you so that you can be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.